I'm Julie. I'm Kristen. I'm Kate. And welcome to Topical Island. Each week, one of us will deep dive into a topic that interests us. Have you ever wondered how to become a Disney princess? Is diva behavior acceptable? And what does it have to do with the opera? Will we get to work from home forever, ever? Join us as we answer these questions and more. As each week, we will take you to a different topical island. Good afternoon, ladies. How is everybody doing today? Julie? We are recording this on Mother's Day, and there is quite a bit of snow. And one of the reasons I find that a little disappointing is I like to spend Mother's Day in the garden, mothering my plants. So I'm going to have to save that till next weekend, I guess. I guess you will. You'll just have to continue to be a mother between now and then. I suppose. um, I'm increasingly seeing people saying what you want to give mother for Mother's Day this year is to leave her alone. I think Mm -hmm. that's always the case. And I mean, in my personal (laughs) opinion, I I saw a meme that was circling and um, it said, uh, Father's on Father's Day. Let's do something as a family. And then underneath it said, Mother's on Mother's Day. All I want is for everyone to leave me the F alone. (laughs) (laughs) Kristen, um, how are you faring on this afternoon? Good, actually. uh, Our vaccines opened up to 30 plus here this week. So I have my vaccine appointment. Some people really lucked out and like somehow got one the next day or something, but I'm May 19th, I think. And so I was just really proud. The millennials kind of, the elder millennials that we are kind of swooped in and booked like a million appointments. I think we booked like 100,000 appointments on the first day. So it was Mm -hmm. just really awesome to see. Yeah. Well done. Congratulations on getting that appointment. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, it's kind of amazing. Like you just think that this is kind of what the last year has led up to is, I mean, this was kind of like a pipe dream, right? And it's finally here. Mm-hmm. So. How, yeah. how about you, Kate? Well, so Nick's birthday was on Friday. And so it always Ooh. comes right before Mother's Day. And th- there's a part of me that really does feel for him because it's kind of like, you know, you get you get the attention for, in this case, it was one, one and a half days. But then we're going <laughs> to switch, switch gears and I need something too. But at the same time, I'm... I think that's me feeling bad because if it were me, I would really not like to have to share. I mean, I like to think of my birthday as a birthday month, not just a day. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Uh, yes. He probably doesn't doesn't mind that much. <laughs> However, but what about your birthday month? He doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, he might have some thoughts on my birthday month, but I don't think he minds that Mother's Day comes so closely after his birthday. <laughs> But on, so on Friday, me and Tenley blew up some balloons. And so we had no big plans, a really low key birthday, but we decorated the house and I have a big happy birthday sign hanging across our front windows with some balloons and other decorations. But he is nothing if not resourceful. And when I woke up this morning and came down, the happy birthday sign had been changed appropriately (laughs) with computer printer paper to say happy Mother's Day. So there you go. And now he basically gets credit for decorating on Mother's Day. That's perfect. I can't wait to find out where, Kristen, you are going to take us today. I'm excited too. I'm actually really excited about this topic. And I want to talk about gender reveal parties. (gasps) Yes, please. Just before we even start, like I would just love to hear what 
what you guys think when you hear gender reveal party. My personal thoughts when you say that are, are we please going to talk about the fact that people have gotten ridiculous? (laughs) (laughs) That will be a part of it for sure. That's where we're at right now. That's what I think. I think people be cray cray when they're trying to (laughs) outdo gender reveal parties. Oh, yeah. Julie, do you have anything you want to add to that? Or you want to see where this boat... Well, I was actually starting to... I was thinking the opposite of Kate and how there's so much opposition currently to gender reveal parties. Yeah, we'll go there too. Okay. Good, good, good job, guys. So basically, in case anyone... Now, I... I have been to a couple of gender reveal parties in my day. And when I tell my family, they're like, what? So I'm just going to say what it is because it's definitely not a traditional type of party. So um, it's held during pregnancy so that the expectant parents can actually reveal the sex of their baby. So prenatal sex discernment technology has uh, basically a lot of the times I think people get their, oh gosh, their, not their doctor, but ultrasound technician. Yeah, their ultrasound technician to like put the it in an envelope and they'll give it to somebody and they'll either put it in a cake or, you know, you've seen where people open a box and like blue balloons or pink balloons float out or whatever. Or they rev an engine and there's that color smoke if you're, if you're that kind of person, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, can I time out? Kate, did you find out the sex of Tenley before she was born? No, I did not. I I have always felt very strongly about that for me personally. And so I knew it it was no question. I knew I didn't want to know. Yeah, I I did the same. I was just curious. Sorry. Yeah. No, don't be sorry. That's I think that's an important part, an interesting part of the conversation. So not super surprisingly, these gender reveal parties have originated in the United States in the late 2000s. Oh, that really? Yeah, they're only common in the in the English speaking world. So it's definitely a Oh really? Maybe a North American type of thing. Yeah. Hmm. So their popularity has not only grown from, like you were saying, uh, outrageous ideas from Pinterest, but they've also made headline news. I would say maybe one of the most popular or like significant ones was that in September of 2020, a gender reveal pyrotechnic device started the El Dorado fire in California, which actually was part of those major fires in California, destroyed homes, prompting evacuations, burning thousands of acres and causing the death of one firefighter. Oh my oh word. My goodness. I didn't know. Th- I remember hearing about this, but I didn't know it was responsible ultimately for somebody's death. Yeah. Just uh, there's a lot of examples that are less and more dramatic than that. So, I mean, this is also very bad, but in March of 2021, two people were killed in a plane crash in the Caribbean Sea off the coast of Mexico while carrying a trailing sign that read, It's a girl. But there's also, like you were saying, Kate, like lots of uh, burnouts with pink or blue or whatever. Well, like, is it horrible that when ways. you said people were killed in a plane crash, I, my first my first thought was like, did the explosion turn a color? Oh, <laughs> Obviously, I don't think we're recruiting kamikaze pilots to do gender reveal parties, but who knows no, where we're headed these no, days. I don't know. But I mean, I think obviously lots of people do very safe gender reveal parties. But I've always kind of thought, like, is gender reveal even the right word for it? No. Yeah. So have you, did you guys... It's not. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so um, I it took me back to my kind of sociology 101, sociology of gender. Did you guys do that in university or maybe since then do some gender education? 
No, but I will never forget when I was a girl guide leader, Mm -hmm. we had uh, Calgary Sexual Health come to a meeting. I will never forget what I learned, which was your sex is between is between your legs, your gender is between your ears. So Mm. your gender is your is more of your identity. And then the sex is the physical self. And when those two things don't align, that's when someone um, could be or maybe uh, self identify as transgender. So, um, so I don't think it's the correct term. I think it's a sex reveal party. Hmm. Exactly. And I wonder if they people have gone with gender because they feel like sex is, it's not cute. It's not a cute word. Yeah, you don't want to call it your sex reveal part. And I'm going to give some examples of other ways to call it okay. that are not cute at all. But um, <laughs> so you're totally 100% right, Julie. Like it's, uh, it could be, so there's different kind of biological traits that can be used for sex. So one of them is genitalia uh, or another physical description or chromosomes or whichever. So it's definitely more of a biological. So absolutely. When you find out the sex of your baby, it's very much the sex of your baby. You cannot announce at a party what gender your child is going to be because it's definitely more fluid. It's kind of how some, how the sex categories of being a man, woman, transgender, intersex, gender, queer, and other types of gender positions that people can be. And, I, and it can actually change over time as well. So it's basically ludicrous to think that you would be able to have a gender reveal party before your child was even born. Now, might I make a suggestion is that if we continue to call it a gender reveal party, how would you feel if the balloons that popped out or the smoke that appeared was a rainbow color? Wait, so everybody's born everybody's born with the rainbow. Everybody's born with a rainbow because it would mean that you have it's a it could be any one of these genders. That's a good well, here's what I would do is I would have a gender reveal party, not tell anyone anything and then the the rainbow balloons would come out and I would just be making this face. <laughs> so let's describe Kristen's face. It's the face of somebody who's not that impressed with what's going on. Who's smug, unimpressed. Uh, it's it's There's kind of sass a, there. Yeah. There's some sass. There's some sass. Yeah. Yeah. So gender, like all social identities is socially constructed. So there's a certain set of gender norms that go along that are kind of decided uh, through society that we pick up through our parents, our school, in the media. More and more, gender is being understood as being not binary, but on a spectrum. So a little bit further that, kind of what Julie was talking. So you hear this term a lot, like a cisgender person which is what I am, is a person whose personal identity and gender match the sex that they were assigned at birth. A transgender person is, of course, a person whose identity uh, is different than what they were assigned at birth. And then and then there's a wide spectrum of people in between. So non-binary, genderqueer, agender, gender fluid, two-spirit, and many more. So many psychologists believe that gender is a result of our environmental influences. And sexuality is, again, different. It's about sexual attraction, sexual practices, and identities. Just as sex and gender don't always align, neither do gender and sexuality. So I think that can get kind of complicated. Um, you know, people mm-hmm. when people are transgender, people assume that has something to do with their sexuality. But it it's another completely separate Component, identity right. all, all onto itself. Right. Yeah. So my gender of sociology teacher uh, would have had you believe that um, gender was entirely constructed from society, but it's kind of another one of those nature versus nurture things. So there's also lots of studies about hormones, such as the impacts that testosterone and estrogen have on kind of our 
actual behavior as well. So there's there's lots, I, I, if you're interested, I read a study about rats, if you want to get crazy, about just kind of how get it, giving like a, a male rat estrogen at birth would impact their sexual behaviors and vice versa for female rats. And so um, I think there's, it's, it's probably one of those things where the solution is a little bit in the middle. There are things that we are that we're, we have the propensity for from birth, from our hormones and from our genetics. But there's also a huge aspect of that that has to do with how we're raised and what we're taught, to, how we're taught to behave and what we're measured against in society. Definitely. Yeah. Going back to the, I'm sorry, going back to the party. I mean, when we talk about norms, like right off the hop, mm-hmm. the pink versus blue thing, we are introducing those set of norms, like before the baby's exactly. even born. We're like, before exactly. they're yeah. even born. Yeah. That Julie, that's the mm-hmm. most beautiful segue because now I want to talk a little bit about pink versus blue and kind of the history of that. So I read this really amazing article from the Smithsonian Meg that was called When Did Girls Start Wearing Pink? And so the first example they give is little Franklin Roosevelt, who was the 32nd president of the US, born in 1882. They have this picture of him at the age of two and a half. He sits primly on a stool, his white skirt spread smoothly over his lap, and his hands clasped and a hat trimmed with marabou feather. He has shoulder-length hair, patent leather party shoes to complete the ensemble, which was the social convention of 1884. Boys wore dresses until the age of six or seven, which was also the time of their first haircut. And at that time, that outfit would have been considered gender neutral. Interesting. It's amazing. Which actually was a hmm. matter of practicality in terms of, um, you know, it's much easier to have a baby in a dress, right? For changing and that kind of thing. Yeah. And then actually back in a, in a June 1918 article, a trade publication called Earnshaw's Infants Department said that the generally accepted rule is pink for boys and blue for girls. The reason it's pink is that it's a decided more strong, stronger color, more suitable for a boy, while blue which is more delicate and dainty, is prettier for the girl. So that's 19... Yeah. Amazing. So at one point, it was completely reversed. Yeah. so interesting. Exactly. It's all in our heads. It's hilarious. Yeah, it just... Exactly. It just goes to show how arbitrary it is, right? Oh, yeah. And so in 1927, Mm -hmm. Time Magazine printed a chart showing sex-appropriate colors for girls and boys. It was at that time, it was still boys for pink. But it was literally a chart that was like, this is what boys should wear and this is what girls should wear. Baby boomers were raised actually in gender specific clothing. So boys dressed like their fathers, girls like their mothers. So girls had to wear dresses to school. But when there was a women's liberation movement in the mid 1960s, which had its anti-feminine and anti-fashion message, the unisex look was a lot more the rage. So it, it was kind of a similar idea, but it completely reversed from the time of Franklin Roosevelt. So Little girls were dressing more masculine or at least unfeminine. In the 1970s, the ser- so this is at this point they had reversed it to women women wearing pink. But the Sears Roebuck catalog featured no pink toddler clothing for two years. Wow! So it's kind of interesting because I always kind of assumed that it's been a kind of a progression because now you know you talk about gender neutral clothing for babies and that, but it actually looks like there was a switch back because during the 1960s liberation, these babies were not dressed super feminine. But then gender neutral clothing actually remained popular until about 1985, which was when you start seeing like first, it's not even just a blue overall for a boy. It's a blue overall with a teddy bear holding a football, you know, like it was that like, 
boys clothing was not only just blue mm. but it was like and i've even had this experience interestingly enough when you guys were talking about whether or not you ha- had revealed or found out the gender or sex of your child um i remember going to it, I, I love the concept, but going to a baby shower where you don't know the, the sex was really hard because I still see that as like you, the boy section, it's blue, there's baseball bats, different yeah. kinds of sports balls. And then the, you know, the girl stuff has bows all over it. You know, what's so interesting about that. And it's perfect mm-hmm. that you said 85. So I was born in the mid eighties. And when my daughter was born and my mom and I went baby clothes shopping for the first time, she mm-hmm. was so confused that there was a boys and a girls department in the baby section. She said that oh. when um, I was born and presumably my brother as well, that that wasn't that at that age, at the baby, at the baby age, mm-hmm. it was all the same. Mm-hmm. There was not two separate departments yet. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, I think too, and it sounds like this is a bit of a, so the, the, rejection of the very gender neutral clothing was also a response to it says young mothers who grew up in the 1980s who were deprived of these things they were dressed very they they actually rebounded back to wanting pinks and lace and like I've grew up a girl and very femme I mean I think I liked it but you know I had all the pink bows and all that kind of stuff growing up as Mm. well yeah so I think it's just an interesting it's just so interesting to think about like just like we were saying how arbitrary the color is and how arbitrary so much of it is things that we view as very feminine things now weren't viewed that way in the past and it's literally just cultural norms oh yeah I think of um, baptismal gowns in Mm -hmm. um, the Roman Catholic tradition it does not matter the sex of the baby every they all wear a very long, very fancy white dress to be baptized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just the way yeah, it is. Exactly. That's what you do. I found this interesting article that was talking about, okay, so if you've got to have a gender reveal party, what changes can you make to make it uh, not like the wrong word, essentially? So you would change the name to a sex reveal party or an anatomy reveal party. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not as cute. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, anatomy, or what about a yeah, the exactly. genital reveal? Yeah, people might get confused. You might attract the wrong type of crowd. I feel like if you're gonna do it, I feel like maybe just don't. <laughs> if that's the other option, it said avoid gender normative themes. So that's kind of the idea, you know, that it's it's a girl, so you have tutus or whatever. Just kind of not making it so. I'm revealing the gender or I'm revealing the sex, but it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be pink balloons coming out of a box kind of thing. Throw a name reveal party or a Zodiac reveal party, which oh. those would be tricky because I I mean, you don't necessarily know what day your child's going to be born. So I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah. If you had a really good shot of getting it right in the middle of a Zodiac sign, you might want to go for it. But yeah, if you were on the cusp, you might not want to do it just in case. And the name, I don't know. I, my daughter wasn't named until two days after she was born. So maybe I'm not the test case for that one. You're not. That was very frustrating. <laughs> we all wanted to know the name right away. It's bad luck in some cultures, I think, to say your baby's name before they're born. Well, that's another thing. Is there any, because I know sometimes bad luck, historically anyway, has been associated with having a baby shower before the baby's born. Like that you're yeah. tempting fate. Um, mm-hmm. Mm. I always had a friend who right. asked me why I was celebrating my birthday before my birthday, because in the, for, in their culture, that was actually bad luck. Oh. Yeah. Oh, really? 
And did you explain it's because nobody wanted to come out on a Tuesday, so you pushed it to Friday? (laughs) (laughs) I I probably said something over the lake. But I mean, I mean, I I guess it's like that whole like tempting fate thing. It's true. I mean, you know, but and I think names or revealing the name Mm -hmm. beforehand or would probably you could really go down a rabbit hole with that one, too, because I know people that will not speak I was one of them I didn't want to tell many people or the majority of people what names I had thought because that gives them the opportunity to shoot them down and it doesn't yep. offend anyone but once the baby's named yeah. then nobody says mom but I also know people who you know signed cards from their unborn baby like you know when they say from Nick Kate and Tenley before Tenley was born like um I know people to do that I think it's really interesting how our society, and I think it's a really hot topic. And I, I don't want to get too deep into it because I, I, you know, I'm a, as I mentioned, a cisgendered person, so I'm unable to speak to the experience of people who aren't cisgender. But um, it's really neat, I think, how society is starting to ad- adapt more gender-neutral terminology as well. So in 2019, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary added "they" as a pronoun for a single person who's non-binary. Mm-hmm. Um, and even at, from at my workplace, um, the style guide that we use for writing is now incorporating asking people their identity before you as part of like an interview question so that you are are speaking about them correctly when you're when you're writing your your piece. Um, another re- really cool one. So um, thing that people are doing nowadays is using MX instead of Mr. Miss, Mrs. or Miss. I've always thought found it funny that women are so like we're. You're, yeah, like we have all these categories based on whether we're married or not, which is why Ms. is really yeah. nice. But and men are just misters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Insert eye roll here. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but now there's a gen, gender neutral version of that as well, which is just an MX. So it's either if you are don't identify as a particular gender, or if you just don't want to be identified by gender, you could actually put MX. I like that a lot. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And other suggestions that they make is to use uh, gender neutral terms like partner, sibling and child instead of, you know, daughter, brother, sister, those types of things. And I think something we've been doing for a long time is using gender neutral forms of occupations, stewardess and things like that are kind of right. of the past anyways. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to chat about about that. I just uh, I find it really interesting. And so I would either petition that I mean, I would like to call this this episode sex reveal party. Well, and to be honest, I think I will call them sex reveals moving forward. I'm certainly not offended by by saying the word. So we might as well call it what it is. Yeah. If it's something that we feel we want to do. I mean, I mean, there's obviously like you were saying, Julie, there's, I, you know, there's controversy. There's definitely groups that just really don't like the concept of a gender reveal party, period, regardless of what you call it. Um, So that's a decision to make for yourself. But certainly... A, a step would be to at least call it the right word. I agree with you there. I have never been to a sex reveal party. I don't think I have either, actually. Kristen, what was your experience? Was it a big over the top? No, it was, was nice. And cake? That's, was it, it was just balloons? it was just a cake reveal. And to be honest, I was part of acquiring the cake. So it's definitely oh, it's definitely. You knew. I well, I did. Sorry, I, I it was a liaison that I made. Anyways. That's really vague and sounds really <laughs> suspicious, but um, I just I I like I I I went and I it was fun and I thought not very little of it. It wasn't definitely wasn't a 
any kind of thing that would get anyone in trouble or hurt <laughs> physically. Um, and so uh, I have been, but certainly, yeah, I don't, I don't, don't know that in our group of people that we know that there's a lot of those, but it's definitely something that you hear about on the news. Mm-hmm. For better or worse. I, I would like to know statistically, and I know it's, it, it's I think it's a, um, a North American thing to find out the sex at all. Um, beforehand I know in some cultures it's by design that they don't allow people mm. to find out um, the sex just because it could influence mm-hmm. um, other decisions but but I'm curious statistically in North America I guess how many people actually find out ahead of time do you think it's the majority mm, I don't know I was actually looking for the stat of what year you were actually able to find out because I think something like I think sometimes we were so excited that we have this knowledge that then we turn it into something and then don't think about all the repercussions of that, right? Like basing right. so much around the gen, the sex. See, it's so easy to do. Um, and then you don't think, oh, like I'm really influencing this this little person who may not want to wear tiaras and pink every day, you know, that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, you're right. It is it is interesting. It is interesting, and I think I mean you you find that people who choose to find out the sex of their baby beforehand it's for such a plethora of different reasons but I have a personal example of a friend who found out because she said oh no like I've I I need to be able to plan like this is there's just you know because the sections are so divided right now I can't be I I can't be assuming yeah well and to be honest and I don't know like I feel like most people that like I haven't been to a baby shower in like a few years I would say um, so I don't know, like, I remember like a few years ago, it, it was really hard to find nice gender neutral clothing. It was like, hmm. maybe there'd be a gray striped top in the middle somewhere, mm-hmm. but it's certainly easy to do. And I don't know if that's come along at all. Like how hard, like it's to me that you could make really nice clothes that don't necessarily identify as male or female, but it, it, I don't know. I think though the, um, there's such a fear of color in those gender neutral um, palettes mm-hmm. that I feel like that um, those sections do exist at most baby stores now that are specifically called gender neutral. And generally speaking, they're really focused on that baby age, knowing that not everybody finds the sex out beforehand. Right. But yeah, there are a lot of like beige and gray and it, there's, it's like, it's like there's such a fear of color and what a color could represent that they've just said, okay, just in case, let's get rid of all color. And that's unfortunate too, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That, that colors are so, so gendered. Yeah. It's bizarre. I will say um, selfishly, one of the reasons I did not find out the sex of my baby before she was born, somebody pointed out to me, it may have even been Kate. <laughs> Like how many, how many true surprises do you get in your life? Mm-hmm. And so a baby being born and not knowing yet who they are is super exciting. Yeah. That was one of my, that was, it probably was me, but I'm sure I'm not the one, the original one to come up with that thought. So, <laughs> but that was, that was mine. What could, what bigger surprise will you ever get? That being said, I did go in yeah. for a C-section and was super drugged up, and they had to tell me it was a girl like six times. <laughs> okay, now that like, we're talking about it, like, do you guys feel like you're aware of this with your own children? You both have girls. Mm-hmm. Um, do you? How much do you, does this factor in? Like, are you, 
do you think about these things when you're buying clothes or I mean I personally appreciate a cute outfit um however the majority of Tenley's clothing that I buy her um is purely functional and comfort yeah yeah so and I I do not shy away from the the uh, boys section I shop in both sections and Mm. it's she has um she's got the occasional pretty dress but it's certainly functional and comfort yeah what if you love a pretty dress like I mean I grew up like I said I grew up a girl and I loved wearing like there's nothing wrong with that I think it's more so just the idea that you know not every little girl wants a pretty frilly dress right very true. And Julie, before you yeah. jump in, you had told me when mm-hmm. Audrey was young that, you know, you didn't place any sort of, you know, pressure on what or, or you know, think about the stuff you were bringing into the house in terms of it all needs to be super girly. And you had told me that Audrey is just somebody who really likes girly things. She does. And I was not that child. I... um I have so many pictures of myself as a kid, like as a toddler, especially like four to five year olds, which is my daughter's age, that like I would have burned out. Like I was often wearing dresses and tights and like, I don't know how many pictures I have like bloody knees, like <laughs> skin through my tights. Like that's who I was. I like my daughter. Yeah. Who until recently only ever wore like hand-me-downs or gifts. Cause again, I'm cheap. And so like some of her clothing is from the boys section and she's fine with that. But given the opportunity or given the choice, she will dress up like Elsa from frozen every day of her life. Mm-hmm. As much as I've put her in hand-me-downs that were both boy and girl hand-me-downs from wherever I could get them. She chooses to lean towards the pink and purple and frilly. And I think that a lot of that is external influence, especially from daycare. Mm. Oh, so that's the socialization. I think so. Yeah. That's, that's my personal take on it, but maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe that's her nature and, um, and that's who she is. But either way, I do let her now influence some decisions now that she's, um, more independent so she gets to wear frilly dresses (laughs) even though from the ages of zero to probably one and a half she probably never had anything frilly on just because I didn't didn't unless somebody gave it as a gift I that's not what I would get for her Mm. well it's a really interesting subject Kristen thanks Mm -hmm. The old sex reveal party. I'm curious if I asked. Genital reveal. (laughs) Maybe that should be the name of our episode. Genital reveal party. We might get the wrong kind of fans. I don't know. Or we might get the right kind of fans. (laughs) (laughs) By that, I mean people who want to throw baby showers and be politically correct. (laughs) Okay, good. wasn't sure. <laughs> but going back to what you said for, at the top, Kristen, I mean, I've never asked my mother if she knows what a gender reveal party is. I don't think she would have ever heard of that. Yeah, ask her. It'll be fun. Because when I tell my family, they, they're like, what? And then they, yeah, it's not, they don't guess what it actually is at all. Can I, can I share a text with that I um, had with my mom? Yes, please do. Just a couple months before. My daughter was born. Yes, yeah. please. Prior to my daughter being born, a lot of my aunties, especially on my on my dad's side, were asking whether it was going to be a boy or a girl. 
And um, I think part of that was in anticipation of they like to make handmade things and were wanting to know what to make. This is a text I received from my mom just a month or two before my daughter was born. Now I know why people are asking if it's a boy or a girl. I'm working on a sweater and the buttons are affected by whether it's a boy or a girl. Because as we all know, men and women's shirts and coats button up on either side, opposite sides. Oh. She continues to say, I'm just going to go with one side because the baby won't be able to close the buttons anyway. (laughs) I mean, it's great. I still think that's Uh, so funny. The baby won't be able to close the buttons. And actually, as soon as you started reading it, as soon as you started reading it, I remembered when you got that text from your mom. And I mean, (laughs) now I understand why people care if it's a girl or a boy. Because <laughs> when you're making them a sweater, you have to pick which side of the buttons go what on. What side do the buttons go on? Nobody wants to accidentally cross dress like Michael Scott. <laughs> and it's true. I mean, that baby can't even do up those buttons. So who cares what side they're on? The baby doesn't care. Nobody cares. I mean, nobody should care. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Because, oh, yeah, there are people that care. But now I'm curious. Do you, did she put them on the male or female side? Was it appropriate for your daughter to wear or not? Or did you burn it? As soon as I would have to go her? back. <laughs> I would definitely have to go back. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know myself, hmm. which is correct. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't remember. I don't know. Sorry. Very well. Well, I think that's a great, uh, I mean, that's a great story and text in itself. The subject was really interesting. But Julie, do you have anything to uh, leave us on a high note? So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about what happens to your clothes when you're donating them. And I thought that this story from January 2021 was just perfect good news story. So a Value Village employee in um, Vancouver found a treasure that was a uh, when he was going through something that someone had donated. So when things are donated, everything's parsed apart. And every once in a while, they find things like wedding rings or wedding dresses or cash and purses and things that um, probably shouldn't, weren't meant to be donated. So they have a process by which they try and get things back to their owners. They work with local police uh, to get them back. So they were going through a yellow plastic bag that was filled with envelopes and they opened one of the envelopes and it was full of cash to the tune. This bag was full of cash envelopes to the tune of $85,000 in cash. Whoa. How do you accidentally donate or was it on purpose? It was not on purpose. It was absolutely (laughs) accidental. Uh, The way that it happened was um, an elderly woman was um, unable to live on her own. She was moved to a care center and her children were emptying out her storage locker. And with the best of intentions, donated anything that they didn't think brought value. And in so doing, donated $85,000 in cash. Oh my goodness. So yes, Uh, to give the exact number, it was $85,549. 
Wow. Um, the largest sum that this Valley Village has ever seen. And so they did work with local authorities and that money was given back to the family. We're very grateful. And yeah, completely by accident. Um, the Valley Village staff said that it's very common to find cash in like a purse or mm-hmm. wallets that are donated. Just people didn't clean them up like properly. Like 20 bucks probably. Yeah, like 20 bucks. <laughs> but no, 85 thousand dollars which was thanks to the staff at the value village reunited with the correct um family members and yeah i thought that was kind of a crazy story that is a crazy at the end story and it's you know wow what a what an amazing human to be working at value village and then bring in the authorities and get this money back to its rightful Mm -hmm. owners but i'm just gonna say it i don't know that that's what i would have (laughs) done as an employee? Uh, as a human. I mean, I don't know. That is, <laughs> I, I have never been, in, this is similar to the to the um, emergency response, you know, question. You, you want to be that person that does the right thing, but mm-hmm. I kind of hope that guy like took one of the envelopes. I hope they gave yeah. him some of it, like yeah. at the end. <laughs> yeah. Or, something. or maybe or gave- it's like a good deed in done in return. They, they gave him a little bit. But I that, so. I honestly, I don't know. That would be, I think I'm a good enough person that I would do the same. But I don't know. Maybe when I open a bag of cash that somebody Faced with unknowingly dropped off, we'll find out then. If you never hear from me <laughs> working at Value Village, you know what happened. There you go. Yes. And and just for, for the record, I mean, Value Village, they were part of the art, article and they... Um, they would like everyone to know that they do have pretty strict protocols about when they find items of great value. Value, yeah. Um, that um, they do everything they can to return them to their owners. So, hmm. yeah. Sorry, I got caught pondering life and whether or not I'm a good person. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> on that note, thank you for a lovely afternoon once again spent together. But I'm curious, did you find what you were looking for? <laughs> <laughs>